0: See, that's what I'm all about right here. Was worship off the chain or what? Yeah. Thanks, Lady D. I, asked, I begged you. I was like, please let it work again. Uh, for those of you who weren't here this morning, Pastor Albert threw down. I mean, like, he got me all geeked up and stuff and a little bit nervous because he used a lot of my scriptures. So I'm glad I'm seeing new faces out here. Amen? So, anyways, we got the, our heroes or zeros um, thing going. Uh, both myself and Pastor Albert, I had uh, John the Baptist and Herod Antipas as our heroes and zeros. Now, the way that I went about this is that I tried to pick out the heroic character in, uh, from, different, from both sides of the coin and try to allow us to kind of gauge where we're at and being able to make ourselves better, if that makes any sense to anybody other than me. So, I want to be a hero. Anybody else in here want to be a hero? Right? Nobody wants to be a zero, right? So, um, our hero today is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, son of a high, of a, of a, is he a Pharisee, or is he, he's important. Zechariah was, uh, Yeah, he was a high priest, so he got to go in the Holy of Holies. Now, Herod, boo, Herod, Herod. Herod's dad, though, was amazing. I mean, this dude, he created this kingdom and built all of these monuments. As a matter of fact, I do believe that he helped build the second temple. And he was really important. He owned so much that when he died, there was a fight over his will and his kingdom was divided into four different parts. And his son, Herod, thought that he was going to get it. Herod, then he passed. He said, ooh, I'm getting this. And then his dad said, nah, nah, you can't handle all this, son. You ain't ready for this. So they split it up into four different divisions. And, you know, he's like his generic dad. He really wanted the kind of power and control that his dad had. But he really couldn't get it. And we're going to find out how through his word. Amen. Now, on the other side of that, our our hero John the Baptist, yay, right? This guy not only lived out everything that he needed to live out for God, but he died for what he needed to die for God. Ooh, yep. It's going to be a little bit of gut check in here today. So, I'm going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This is a real quick breakdown and I have to read from the screens because Like Pastor Albert, my eyes ain't what they used to be. And he's 10 years younger than me. I want y'all to know that. (laughs) In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make uh, straight the path for him. Can everybody say Hero. Hero? Wait, I hear this side. Hero. Hero. All right, why is he such a hero for this? Let me read this. All right, many of us have to deal with the expectations of others, be it our parents, our friends, our teachers, or even in this case, by God himself. What can be learned from a man who is placed with the responsibility of introducing the world to God's plan of redemption? To be the voice calling out in the wilderness, telling people things they don't want to hear, will not only take a lot of courage, but will, it would take constant communication with the Father. We must also be able to communicate that message to others. Okay, it's that gut check time. Say hero. hero. All right, here's the deal when we are presenting or representing Christ. In everything it is that we do, it's really hard to offend people. They get mad at you. They might not even speak to you for a couple of days. But they know what you are doing is done from your heart, and it's being done in a way that's going to improve who they are. Does that make sense to everybody in here? This guy was called to be the forerunner for God's redemption plan. And this has just been my experience. When I mention Jesus, people either wrap their arms around me or they really, really push me away. It's not, there's nothing in between. They don't say, oh, I'm kind of sitting on the fence. Nope. soon as you say the name Jesus, you know right away where they stand. Now, I do believe that when John had to speak to these people, well, the word says it, that when he spoke with that authority, people from all around, Came to hear what it is he had to say and repented and being baptized. And like Albert, I'm getting ahead of myself. But just to make our point, say hero again. Hero. All right. And the reason why we're saying hero again, because we want to be reminded we must be able to communicate that same love that Jesus communicated in his sacrifice that he made for us. All right. Moving on. Everybody say zero. Say zero. Zero. All right. This guy coming out of Matthew something, four. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Matthew 14, three through five. Now, Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid to because of the truth that he revealed about what was going on in his life. There's been times that I've spoken to people that mean a lot to me. And the words that I had to say weren't very pleasant. Anybody else in here experienced that? And then after you say those words, there has to be a time of separation to kind of let it settle in a little bit. But I'm seeing here that Herod didn't do this out of his own desire, he mostly did it for what people thought. I mean, our most common way for any of us to lose favor with anyone is to let people dictate our decisions. You know, Israel's first king, because of what the people uh, wanted, influenced what he did. Here we see Herod with those same fears. We'll sometimes try to divert attention from our faults or our weaknesses by looking for something that would make us seem like heroes. When we look at the facts, we are actually zeros. He was faced with the dilemma of facing up to our own garbage or setting up a diversion so that people don't know what's going on. And I'm basically talking about people of influence. If you are a child of the living God, you are a person of influence. People are listening to what it is that you say. They are watching what it is that that you do. They're looking at who comes in and out of your house. They are looking at the things that you got at the grocery store. They are looking at the buildings that you enter into and out of, right? And if we allow people to dictate our interests, you know, one of my wife's favorite, uh, one of my favorite things about my wife when our kids were coming up, people used to say, You can't pick your kids' friends. My wife did. <laughs> she would pick their friends for them. Uh uh-uh, uh, no. Bad, bad, bad influence. And then she'd give them their chance. And my children, as they began to be older, I noticed they were very particular about the friends that they chose. And so, is that kind of behavior learned? I believe it is. I think the influence of people on you is set by the environment that you're raised in. And so, here is Herod that was raised in an atmosphere of glamour and pleasing other people because, you know, they were political and... Everybody know what politicians do, right? Whoever's in my face is most important. Right? And so Herod had this issue. Now, everybody say hero. 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 All right. Now that one's coming from. Click. <laughs> Click. Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. In the beginning, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare a way for you. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I got to tell you how to say hero, right? Right? Is it, I mean, think about this. He was in the wilderness preaching to trees, to the streams, to the crickets, to the frogs. Who was he in the wilderness preaching to? And why would animals and streams and trees have to repent? But then it was foretold that he was to be the messenger that went ahead of Jesus Christ. Again, being that. And you notice the same reference of the prophet Isaiah was used here in the book of Mark. And it's kind of for me a theme to who John and just the whole substance of his being is, is all about. You know, with his father having the religious background that he was, with the pedigree that he had, I am pretty sure. No, we can go ahead and assume that he was taught these things coming up. Who the prophets were, who his people were, where they came from, the laws. I mean, remember, uh, well, Pastor Albert told us this morning about going into the holies of holies. If you don't got them bells on, once they stop, you get dragged out. Well, his father was still for him for his birth, amen. So he must have been doing something by right. And so I'm looking at this man being the hero because he, right here, Mark says he appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism. Of I, I kind of seen him as someone that was not well known, started speaking the word of God in truth, helping people recognize what their issues are. And helping them work through them. Not taking this big old sin stick out and saying, because you lie, you're going to hell. Yeah, we pick on little stuff like that for other people, right? We don't want to tell about the stuff that we have to go through. Right? But he's, he wasn't out there doing that. This is what made him a hero. Even through now, in this church body we have major issues with dealing with repentance. I'm just being real. I'm wondering if we truly know the significance of the change that will come over us if we would just be able to fully repent of the sin that we know is in our heart. And it is a very difficult thing to recognize that If you don't got somebody that's helping you to recognize this is sin, all right? We know what the big ones are, killing, lying, disrespecting your parents, right? But what about these social things and these social issues that we have to deal with on a daily that we're afraid to speak up about because of what other people think? Kind of taking us into that zero category that Herod is in. Right? If I can't speak up that I believe that the sanctity of marriage belongs to a man and woman and be convinced of that in my heart, then I can't speak to someone in love and tell them this is God's word, the way that it is, the way that it has been, and the way that it should remain because this is the consequence of you bringing yourself into that. Now you're going to do one or two things. You're going to reject what it is that I have to say. Or are you going to accept it for being the truth and repent of that sin, be set free, and move forward and be productive in society and do everything that is necessary to be done? To have the courage to go out somewhere and to be able to speak that kind of truth that close to the river makes you a hero. Amen? All right. Say zero. 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 All right, Mark chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. So, Herodias nursed the grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Say zero. zero. Big zero. Zero. All right, here's why this is a big zero. Go back to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve in the garden. God walks up to Adam and say, Adam, what's going on? God, that woman you gave me. You know that beautiful one over there? Here's what she did. I don't know what was going on. I was sitting right here, but I don't know what was going on. But Walks up to her, telling her how good this stuff looked and how swell it tasted. And, uh, yep, she was the first one, God. She took the bite. <laughs> Kids in here, because here's my thought Naked woman in a garden, your wife, it's going to be hard to say no, right? No, it's not. His responsibility was to look out for everything. See, Herodias wasn't queen, as a matter of fact. She was an illegitimate wife. But here in this segment of scripture, you would hear her being described as a person that held a grudge against John, so much so that she wanted him dead. Now, here is a man that knew that killing him was wrong. Ended up, we're going to find out, killing him. And I'm looking through the Bible last night. You know, I'm like Albert. I, I like using my, my paperback at home. And you look through, you can find so many instances where men has blamed women for their downfall, and it's sad. I mean, I look at my wife as being, man, she is my rock. She is my steady. She is the one that makes sense of everything when nothing else makes sense. She is the one that can keep me in line, like she could give me a look to let me know. Hey, Earl. All right? She is the voice that I hear when I can't hear no other voice on this earth. All right? Oh, dang, she's sitting there. (laughs) I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm I'm not trying to build her up because I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm good right now. But I'm just saying that everything about my wife adds to me. All right? If you got somebody that's not adding to you, there's some work that needs to be done. I mean, on the real side of everything, when God put two together and we become one, then we are looking out for what's best for one another. And there's not going to be that big of a divide that it can't come together. If I'm making sense to anybody that knows anything about marriage, the wife is always right. In this case, she wasn't really the wife. So it still holds true. She wasn't the legitimate wife. Right? But then he knew. It says, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. Let He liked to listen to him. God was working on something inherit and he let something else get in the way how many people feel distracted in here from their relationship with god be honest we get distracted We get distracted by our kids clowning. We get distracted by life in general. We get distracted by short checks. We get distracted by old relationships. We get distracted by the world in general and what it is that we let come into our minds and into our hearts. There is a lot of things that will distract us from a right relationship with God, but instead of owning up to that distraction and asking God for help and being willing to repent for those things that we allow to settle into our heart, we kind of hold on to, them and think that we could keep them a secret. And that's what makes this such a donut. Not the sweet kind either. God is amazing in what he wants for us and what he can do through us, but we still have to do our part. We still have to learn that we're responsible for our own And that's why I liked it taking this from Mark because remember in the earlier chapter that I read they said that he had him locked up for himself and for the people. Nope. Comes out to me he was trying to impress a woman. I try to impress my wife all the time but she's never ever ever impressed (laughs) with stupid stuff. I had to work hard. I ain't lying. Come on, next thing. Uh, where I'm at? I'm at hero now, right? <laughs> that one got me in trouble, y'all. <laughs> hero! Come on, help me out, y'all. Hero! <laughs> Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of, say it for me. Say it again. Ut, utra. <laughs> I practice that and I still don't got it. And Trichotus and Lassanius, tetrarch of Abilene. Whatever that is. Uh, during the high priesthood of Addis and Siaphas or Caiaphas? I was right. So, uh, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of who? A voice calling. Uh, I'm sorry. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight The past for him. The call of the Lord has always been very direct and distinct in every section of the Bible that I've been able to venture off into so far. And it got me wondering why is it never that clear for me? Okay, looking at y'all's faces, I'm the only one that wonders about that. See, because I'm a pastor now. I ask people for help. And I hear, let me pray about it. Okay. Did you pray about it yet? Yeah, I'm still praying about it. Or how about this? When God gives you who you are, what it is that he wants you to do. I don't need to come looking for you. Remember those early days in ministry? Remember when I came here? Ooh, Pastor Josh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Of course, sit down. <laughs> Just, Pastor Joshua, don't play that y'all. He make sure that you straight, right? But anyways, but I felt the call, but I didn't quite know what that call was. All I knew was is that I was home. How many people in here feel like they're at home right now, right? You feel like you're at home, but then you don't hear the call because you're so busy with every doggone thing else about you. Oh, dang, I ain't supposed to be doing this, but listen. You go to the first part of what this is. The reason why I brought that in, because, you know what, this was a sign of the times. These guys, all they cared about really was themselves themselves their own fame, and they were even trying to pull on their own form of worship. When you come into a church body, the biggest complaint you hear from anybody in a church body, and I'm just going to put it out there because I see a whole lot of familiar faces, um, and people might be listening somewhere, but I want us to be straight on this and to fix it instead of letting it go on and on and on and on again, okay? But the biggest complaint you will hear from people is, I don't feel like nobody spending time with me. I don't feel like nobody has any interest and what it is that I need to do. God, I'm going to be in trouble. Listen, stop that. If it was ever about you, you would not be here. It's always about him. It's not about me. Much as I love Pastor Joshua and Joy, it's not about them. It's always been about him. It will always be about him. The reason why you feel so out of place is because you hear the noise of the world more than you hear the spirit of God speaking in you. If you look at what it says here, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, one voice reaching the world for what is yet to come. So if you think you're sitting on a pew being insignificant and even if I have to pass out flyers at the door, even if I have to mop a floor, even if I have to get up and preach every now and again, even if I have to go out in the parking lot and watch cars, whatever it is that you need to do, it is contributing to the kingdom of God. If you feel like you got a call to do it, if you want to start a ministry of your own, it might be for a wayward teen that needs the hotline to deal with the issues that they have to deal with. All of these things need to be done these days to reach people for God and if it it is your call for it to happen then it's gonna happen but he ain't gonna shout he ain't gonna be jumping up and down like I do giving you the look when you come by yeah I remember calling you a couple of weeks ago no God don't work that way so we get to say hero right this dude answered the call. He answered the call in space. He didn't just pack up his little bag. No. This dude went out in the wilderness. He wasn't dressed the best. Probably didn't smell the best either. He didn't have a look of refined, nicely groomed. I always love it when you trim up, Right? Nicely groomed and the chemicals, you know, kicking right or, you know, slicking his hair back or anything like that. No, he was out there to do God's thing. When we put ourselves out there to do God's thing, boy, we look good. Amen. All right. We got to go back to the zero. Zero. Say it again. Boy, is he a big zero here, right? Here we go. Now, Herod Tetrarch heard about what was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I'll be here John. Who then is this? I hear such things about. And he tried to see him. Who are we talking about? Bless you. Bless you again. <laughs> Who is he talking about? Come on, y'all. Y'all was in first service. Come on, say it loud. He was talking about, they, this wasn't even John. <laughs> that is messing with his head already. How many people have sin hangover? <laughs> <laughs> God it's going to be some people listening to this be like I ain't never heard of that before let me break it down for a bit for, so, so that you can understand what I'm talking about a sin hangover right is you thinking that you got over something but the minute the temptation comes back for you to be able to grasp onto that with any excuse that you got you just hang on to that and ride that wave this is who my daddy was This is runs in my family. Well, God must want me this way because I just can't let go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See how much you read your Bible, right? He who the sun sets free. Free. He who the sun sets free. Free. I mean, (laughs) this is it. (laughs) Who is this dude? This is an altogether different. Jesus is like miles above John, right? We knew what he was going to do, but all he did was heard the stories and he says, wait a minute. I cut his head off. Surely he could not survive without his head. And if I'm sitting on this court, i am be like, you did all these years. you already chopped John's head off. Now you're going after another one. Do you really think you're going to be successful at doing that? How many of us have people around us influencing us in ways that we know is not healthy for us, but we still keep them around? This dude had bad advice from bad people around him, and he had all the power in the kingdom to be able to fix it, and he refused to. We come in here Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Uh, for me, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Sunday, whatever, if there is no improvement on who it is that I am, if I don't feel like I'm growing in him, then it's a waste of time. I mean, if you're not getting what you need to grow, then you need to start using the resources that God puts in place to help you along. Don't run because you're still going to take you with you. And you're still going to have those same problems. That's where that sin hangover come from. Oh, I'm mad at them. Shoot. What they mean? I can't live with nobody. Oh, I'm running now. What they mean? I need to quit smoking. Oh, I'm running now. What do they mean? I could have a beer every now and again. The Bible said you could drink. And you take that right out the door with you and you get wherever it is that you're going and you still don't feel yourself moving forward and you still get caught up like this guy did. He is so hung up on what it was that he knew that he did wrong with John that he had a hangover when Jesus came along. He's sitting there in his high seat on his crown with with the crown on his head saying, wait a minute, (laughs) if chopping his head off wasn't enough (laughs) Y'all know what came for Jesus, right? That cross. As a matter of fact, we're back to hero, right? Yes, I like heroes. Y'all like heroes? Say hero. hero. Hero again. Yeah, I like I like it when y'all say that. John chapter one verse nineteen and uh, through twenty-seven. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely. I am not the Messiah. They ask him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, No, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. They finally said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? You know something? I'm going to end on this. Everybody stand up. What do you say about yourself? Huh? What do you say About yourself, not what other people have told you. Not what you have been convinced of from the influence of others. What do you say about yourself? Do you understand who you are? John said, I'm not the Messiah. Oh, I wish I was because I would track you down. I'm not a prophet because I would give you words that would change your mind and your heart to send you another way. Who are we? We are sons and daughters, we are prophets and high priests. We are lovers of God. We have strength and courage. We are other people's reason for living. We are the head and not the tail. We are strong and not weak. We speak truth and righteousness. We do not hate. We are friends and lovers. We are children of the most high God. Our father who created everything. Who placed every star in the sky. Who knows how many grains of sand there are. On a beach. Who knows you. From the longest strand of hair on your head. To that hangnail on your foot. He knows you. But do you know who you are? That's what's important. Once we understand who we are, we can walk in that authority. We're not afraid of consequence for what it is that we say because our hearts are right in what it is that we are speaking. We won't be afraid to step out in ministry because we know it is him that is guiding our steps. But we have to know. We have to know who we are. I'm going to tell you right now. I see a lot of blank faces out here. Pastor, I really don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do pastor I don't hear that voice that you're talking about maybe I'm just not ready maybe God still got a work to do in me I've come to a point where I feel like I know this body well enough to know that it's time for you to get ready if you call this home it's time for you to get ready it's time for you to shut down from what everybody and everything else that's going on around you and focus in on God because you are being called out we are going to the next level God wants you wants to use you but he don't got to so here's what I'm gonna do this is my altar call I want everybody who is ready to go to the next level to not hesitate to know that these are not my words but His. that is calling you down to his altar and I mean, like, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and say this cute little prayer over you. It is time for you to communicate with him for yourself to grow up, to find your identity in him and to put your big boy and your big girl pants on and strap your boots up and get ready for this ride because it's great. It's great. So. So. On the count of three, don't be knocking nobody over. I want y'all to move up here and then I'm gonna bless y'all. The rest of y'all, y'all can go home. (laughs) I'm like that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Only those that wanna be blessed. And the way that I'm gonna know that you wanna be blessed is that you're gonna make your way up here. You're not sitting by the wayside. You're not waiting to see what everybody else is doing. You have made up your mind that I'm ready to move forward. On the count of three. Stop. Be picking the best stop spots. Shoot. I feel Jesus over here. I feel Jesus over here. I feel him right here too. Are y'all ready? One. I said three. Two. Two and a half. This is exciting. He's going to mess y'all up too. (laughs) Three. Bring it up here. Bring it up. Bring it up. Begin to praise God.